This week on Heads and Tails, we talk about creating a culture of safety in youth football. This is Kevin Som, and you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. We share stories of perseverance and inspiration in sports and in life. All right, so this week on Heads and Tails, we're going to talk about youth football and youth football safety with uh, Brian Klinger. He's the president of the Morristown Wildcats football program. Um, so, Brian, can you just kind of introduce yourself and also give us your football background, like what positions you played growing up and, um, you know, your years of coaching experience? Sure. Uh, my name is Brian Klinger. I'm the president of uh, Morristown Wildcat football. I started the program almost 10 years ago. Um, as far as my football playing experience, I played. I started playing football when I was in third grade and continued up through high school. Uh, my positions as a youth player were defensive back and running back all the way through eighth grade. And then when I got to high school, I went specifically uh, to the uh, defensive side of the ball. I played uh, defensive back, also defensive end. We had a monster at the time, it was called. It's basically a, a rover type of uh, Right, I played rover too in high school. We ran a 5-2 right. rover. Right, so, um, and then on uh, third yard, short yardage situations, I went in as a block and back type of deal. All right. So, um, so what led you to create the Morristown Wildcats football program? Well, at the time, um, there was another program in place called the uh, Junior Colonials. And uh, there were a lot of kids involved uh, with their, their organization, but there was a lot of kids on this side of town who uh, weren't playing football for various reasons. And uh, I decided, I said, you know, every kid should experience the great game of football. Um, so I decided to start my own program over here. And, uh, you know, this year we had 150 tackle kids. Um, in the whole organization, I got about 300 including flag and cheerleading. Oh, wow. Um, have you seen an incline or a decline in participation rates uh, <coughs> since you started the program? The, uh, our rates are pretty stable. Um, the Colonials uh, came over with me three years ago uh, for various reasons, and uh, our numbers are typically around 150, 160 tackle kids. I have 120 flag kids. So we're pretty stable, but nationwide, football's down about 20% at, oh, wow. at the youth level and in high school. That's significant. Yeah. But you said that you've stayed, you've, your program has remained steady throughout Correct. pretty much? Yep. All right, that's interesting. That'll lead well into what we're going to talk about in terms of what you've done for uh, health and safety. But before right. we get into that, um, do you think that at the youth level, I, I'm guessing you're going to say yes, but that all kids should get a chance to play? So in, in some youth programs, like even rec programs, you have like the coach's son that's like always playing, and you have the the other kids who might not be as skilled um, or as developed yet as like physically developed as the other players, um, and they they don't get a, really get a chance to to play, and then they lose interest in the sport, right. and they they find other things. Absolutely, my goal when I started this 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 was one of the primary goals was to have every kid get in the game. Um, you know, they come to practice every week, they give it, you know, all they have and their skill level is from here to 10, right? Right. So, you know, the, uh, I've seen kids that, you know, at the third grade level weren't very skilled at all and they didn't have much of an opportunity. And then when they became an eighth grader, they were pretty good football players. Right. So you can never discount anyone. Um, also what I do, I have a minimum play uh, time that everyone is required to play. Oh, interesting. So my goal is to get everyone in a quarter. Okay. Okay. And now th these are kids that, you know, uh, aren't very good at all, but we try to encourage them to get in. And some kids, quite frankly, don't want to go in the games. Right. They want to wear the uniform, but they don't want to get hit. Basically. Right. Right. Exactly. So, you know, you try to encourage them and pump them up and get their confidence going and, and then uh, get them in the game and do the right thing. Now, you know, we don't always make the, the correct decision, but, you know, we, we try to work with the kids to give them a good experience. How do you hold the coaches accountable to getting these kids in for at least a quarter a game? 
Well, what I do is uh, when I coached, I started at the fourth grade level. I coached it for four years. And Saturdays before game day, which was Sunday, I spent three hours putting together like a matrix so that I could massage the, the personnel and get kids okay. involved. That was the hardest part of my job all week. So it didn't necessarily go like how the game was going? No. Yeah. You, it was premeditated when... Okay. Yeah. It was premeditated and, and, you know, you can always slip a kid in here and there. It's not like baseball where you stick them in right field and, you know, uh, there's not many balls that get hit right, out there. Right, you got right. 11 moving parts, as you know. You played the game. So... It's, uh, you know, you got to get 11 kids to all work together. And right. it's, it's tough to uh, integrate everybody, but we did. Okay. Last year, I had a great uh, coach at the fifth grade level. And what he did is he, uh, he played half the kids on offense in the first half. And then the other half played uh, offense the second half. So every kid played 50% of the game, half on each side of the ball. Oh, that's cool. So every, you know, nobody can complain. Right. right? Yeah. So. And at the upper levels, I don't allow uh, – at the eighth grade level, I don't allow parents to coach their kids. Okay. No, no parent coaches at the eighth grade level. Interesting. So I tried to do that at the seventh grade level. However, it's tough to – you got to get parents involved. Right. I could it's, see, like, it's probably hard to get coaches as it is. So when you're right. telling, like, that you can't coach your kid, it might, yeah, it's probably hard to Absolutely. find some more people. So that was the goal, to have seventh and eighth grade parents not coach at all, but it's only at the eighth grade at this point in time. Okay. So it's yeah, worked I'm out, sure that's – Worked out well. Yeah, easier said than done. Right. Um, all right, so what goes into creating a youth football program? And then also, let's talk – like, kind of, let's kind of lead into what you did in terms of health and safety that really is, I think – like has set a precedence to other football programs around um, that w when you were creating the Wildcats okay. uh, football program. Yeah, the uh, to start a program, it's more difficult than people think. I uh, went to the uh, rec department at the time 10 years ago, and I said, listen, I'm going to start a football program. They said, well, there's already one in town. I said, well, I'm going to start my own. Right. So, so they, they, they basically laughed at me, and I said, I'll be back type of deal. I'll so, be back. I'll be yeah. back. So uh, – <laughs> Basically, it's, you know, you can say you want to start something, but where do you start? Right. And one of the biggest things was was getting accepted into a league. You can't just call up a league and say, I want to join you. Right. They have to, right. it's like the NFL. They have to of, endorse yeah. you. Yeah. They have to interview you. They have to, you know, do a bunch of things. What was the interview process like? The interview process was I had to, uh, first I met with the commissioner of the league on a Saturday with a couple other board members. You know, just to feel things out. And then they, I guess they felt that, okay, I, they liked what I had to offer. So then they invited me to a league meeting. I participated in the league meeting. And then afterwards, they, uh, they basically throw questions at you. There's 20 guys on the board at the time. Basically, they ask, why are you doing this? How many kids are you going to have? How many teams are you going to have? You know, what's your philosophy? What's your goal? You know, all that stuff. So then they kick you out of the room and they decide your fate and they call you the next day type of deal. Right. right. So they, they accepted me or the, the uh, Wildcats. The other thing is it's, it's tough to get fields. Field availability, especially in Marstown, is horrific. Um, you know, we're the only team in the league, there's 20 towns in the league that does not have a turf lit field. We're playing on an old landfill. You're the only, the only team. Right. Yeah, so th this is our practice field. So um, we play our games at Marstown High School. Then, you know, you got to fundraise. I had no money, right? I started the program. I borrowed $75,000 to start the program. So if, if this didn't go yeah. and was su successful, Not good. <laughs> I was on the hook for 75K. <laughs> yeah. So I was passionate about getting this to where it is today. And I wasn't going to let anything stand in my way type of deal. Um, I became a 501c3. Okay. okay. I did all the paperwork for that. Are, I, is every team in the league a 501c3? <clears throat> um, I would say to some uh, extent, yes. You know, some of them are PALs and some of them are incorporated by the uh, or endorsed by the, the towns. Like the town actually runs them. When I played youth football, the town actually ran the program. Okay. Morristown is unique in the way that they don't run many of the youth programs. So I started this on my own, and it's it's me basically, right? Right. 
uh, whereas other organizations, it goes through the town. It's sort of strange, but that's how it unfolded. All right. So there's a lot of stuff to do, getting volunteers, getting board members um, that you, you know, uh, you don't think about, you know, getting a bank account, right? A checking account for the organization right. and, you know, buying all the equipment and, you know. You just all, you did all this yourself? I did 95% of it myself. But That's I have, a lot of I, work, I, yeah. I had a board, you know, but, you know, I, I reduced the board after the first year or so because it's a working board. I don't, you know, I don't need you on the board if you're not going to do anything. Do anything, right. Type of deal. Yeah. So, um, now as far as, uh, making the game safer. Um, what I did is one of the most important things that I did was I hired a game day trainer and she's a certified, uh, athletic trainer, athletic ATC, trainer. Yep. right. And as you know, from my story, an athletic trainer actually saved my life, which is kind of why I thought found your story of creating this football league. Very interesting. Cause I know a lot of youth programs don't utilize an athletic trainer. Absolutely. And that's what I wanted to get away from the horror stories of, you know, Nobody being on the sideline, a kid breaks his arm, and a dad's going out there to check him out. Right. So, uh, did you experience that in the the previous league, and you like saw things that scared you enough to make yeah. you want to do? Absolutely. I heard some some horror stories from various youth programs. In addition to that, and I said, you know what? In today's day and age, with the liability and and the safety of the kids, and uh, you know, football in itself today is getting a bad rap with the concussion thing. Right. So I wanted to sort of uh, make the parents feel more comfortable and, and myself and the coaching staff to have a game day trainer. She's the final say. Right. If anything goes on, she makes the final decision. She takes the helmet, and, and that's the end of the day for the kid. Right. Um, no parent, no coach, no referee. As it you know. should be, yeah. Right, right. So it's worked out extremely well. It's expensive, but it's well worth it. Right. Now, yeah, it could save a life. Absolutely. Um, so what else did you do in terms of health and safety? I know you have like an AED on the sidelines, right? And, um, you, you got your, some of your coaches certified by USA football. Um, can you kind of talk about why you did that? And also we'll get into what the USA football heads up program is all about. Yeah, we, uh, our league, it's New Jersey suburban youth football league is uh, part of USA football. Now USA football over the last few years became very popular with the safety of the game, the NFL dumped a bunch of money into this and right. they, they endorse it and, and what have you. So with our league joining, um, part of the criteria is all the towns within the, the, uh, the league itself, um, they have to have every coach, 100% of the coaches certified by USA Football. Okay. That's part of the criteria. If, you, if you're not certified, you don't go on the field. Right. So you have to be certified by uh, the first practice of the season. The uh, the uh, program is 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 good in my opinion. Uh, we went to Timex Center down at the Giant Stadium yep. uh, when it first came out. It was an eight hour you know type of Saturday where you it's sit a in long a class, day, yep. classroom style type of deal, and they go through the various uh, things that could happen on the football field: heat and hydration. They talk about talk about concussions, uh, blocking, tackling. You know, basically, you know, the tackling aspect of it with the concussions, once again, is keeping the head out of the game. So they come up with these buzzwords to try to remind everyone so that everybody's on the same page with the same terminology and the same technique and all that stuff. Um, they're doing a heck of a job promoting the safety of the game, but there's still a long way to go. Right. You know, it's got to come from the NFL down to the youth program because these kids, quite frankly, see the NFL and what, see they, what do they do and they right. try to emulate them. So do you think that you really can take the head out of the game? Like even in some of the techniques, like in the videos that I see with the heads up football program, like they're still the head is still there. Like yeah. I don't know what they're trying to, to show. And I actually had an interview um, with one of my buddies from high school who has a, a sports blog and a, a radio show last night. And we were I, I mentioned USA football, the heads up program, like and I like what their idea behind it is, right. but like the execution to me seems like it can't be that successful. Like no matter how effective like the program is or how much time they put in like thinking about these buzzwords or whatever, like at the end of the day, football is football and you, you, you can't take, you know, your head out 
of everything. You know, Absol- you can't control everything. Absolutely. The uh, I agree 100% with you. And and as we say, the kids aren't in bubble wrap. It's football. They're, right. Things are going to happen. You know, you try to keep it as safe as possible. You're never going to take the head out of the game. Right. Period. Um, you know, it's a physical game. Um, even the technique that they show you, you look at it and you say, well, the head's still involved right. in, in the process. Right. But, um, you know, they, they want you to lead and, and put more of the emphasis chest, on, on the right? chest yeah. and shoulders. Which to me is like, how do you tackle with your yeah. chest? Which it's getting sort of back to like when I was a kid, they, you know, you, you're blocking out like this. Now right, it's right. all hand stuff, right? right? So they're sort of going back to the old style to a certain extent right. with, with getting the upper torso involved in the game. But, you know, the, the NFL and, and the youth programs, you know, the, the targeting, I get that. Right. That's an issue. Yes, they're doing a good job of calling that next year. Right, uh, and that doesn't really change the game at all. Right. Like, that's just, like, looking out for the other players, like, till they don't get hurt or end their careers. Absolutely. You know? The, Absolutely. Those are more of those kind of rules need to, to come about. Yeah. The thing that gets me with the USA football program, too, is, like, when you say – I like, I like that they're trying to make the game safer. Don't get me wrong. Right. But the part that gets me frustrated is when – they have those commercials on TV with, like, they're talking to the mom and how, you know, they're trying to make the mom think that the game is safer and stuff because of what, you know, they're teaching these kids. I'm like, it's still the same game that yeah. it, it was before. Yeah. And to me, it just it seems like propaganda. Like, right. it's not, like, yeah, it's, it's not genuine. It's just, like, they're trying to get – obviously, they're trying to get more kids to play football. But I just don't like how they go about it in that way. Yeah, they, they do go about it. And, and believe me, the, the mom – uh, with football that I see has the final say in the matter. That the, the doesn't have any say in the matter right. with whether a kid plays or not. Um, so you do have to sell the mom on it. Uh, actually, down at the Timex Center, they, they have a mom's uh, meeting with all these. They fill the room with moms. Interesting. And they talk about, you know, like you said, maybe it's propaganda or, or whatever, but uh, some of it's, you know, factual, but, but at the end of the day, I tell the parents, we try to do the best we can to make the game as safe as we can for each and every kid. Right. When in doubt, we sit them out, you know, whether it's head, leg, foot, whatever it's, it's the way we operate. Right. Um, you know, I'd rather be safe than sorry. Uh, you know, we, we're coming up with a different protocol, with the concussion thing this year, as far as somebody gets hurt in the past, and it's been very the waters have been very muddied over the last few years as to you know who does what and where do you send them and what happens with a concussion and you know so basically to return to play you need a doctor's note. I mean that's the first rule of uh, thumb, and then uh, we're going to go through this you know progression this five day progression thing uh, we're going to incorporate this year. With the athletic trainer or? As far as return to play. And it's going to be with the coaches. Um, You know, the first day it's light exercise type. But this is after they get cleared by the doctor. After they get cleared by the doctor when they come back. Okay. So day one, we're going to, you know, light aerobic activity, if you want to call it. Right. And then day two, we advance it a little bit. And day five is basically, you know, full football experience however no hitting right and if somebody it, it, you know gets the headaches back or, or the symptoms back you, you, you go back to we're going to roll them back to day one right so yeah, that's like pretty standard for any kind of concussion return to play but who helped you develop that well that was part of the uh usa football i went to a clinic a couple weeks ago okay um at the glazier clinic usa football was present there and and i th- you know, like I said, it's been very ambiguous over the last few years as to what you do and how you do it. But it's sort of becoming standardized now with, with that return of play and the five-day progression thing. Right. So we're going to incorporate that. We're going to have a, a league meeting or a, a, a meeting amongst our coaches and, and go through that this year. Okay. I know this is a question that I didn't put on the, the question list yeah. I sent you, um, but – this had a huge effect on me as a player and as a player in high school, which was, which was like how coaches talk to the players in terms of being hurt. So I remember like even when I was like seven, like coaches would be like, suck it up or, you know, like this, like, and it ingrained, you know, this mentality of toughness in me to the point where when I was in high school and I separated my shoulder, I didn't want to take myself out because I didn't want people to think that I was, like, a sissy. Right. So I played with it, 
and then ultimately I believe that led to my head injury because mm-hmm. I stopped hitting with my shoulders and I started hitting with my head. So do you like talk to the coaches about how they talk to the players in terms of playing injured at all or or do you think that do you think that part of the value in football is like learning how to kind of overcome adversity and stuff like that? Well, it's that's a good question. It's uh there's a fine line between, you know, putting a kid back in there or not. And, uh, you know, when I have my coaches meeting at the beginning of the, of the season, we go through different things and how to approach kids and this and that. And most of our coaches are very, very good. Um, because if they weren't, they wouldn't be coaching the following year. Um, but you really got to look at the kid individually, every kid individually to determine his threshold of, I don't want to say pain, but his tolerance, his mental toughness and, you know, what his DNA is really. Right. Um, but if there's a kid who's, like I said, is on the, on the fence as to, you know, hurt or what have you, like I said, when in doubt, we sit him out. Um, so, um, as far as that goes, like we'll have we'll have kids that are at the younger age, uh, that when we're getting beat up in a game, they'll go to the trainer and say, "Oh, I got a concussion." Right? They want to get out. Yeah. They want to get out. So you know, and she'll look at them. She'll say, "They don't have a concussion. They just don't want to play." You know. Right, so right. You, you'll have that. But as far as the uh, we don't we don't push a kid back in there. You know, if 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 we feel that he's injured, I mean. Like I said, when in doubt, we sit them out. When I was a high school kid, I mean, I had two serious concussions uh, where I didn't remember the second half. And they were both head-to-head, you know, blows. One of them was against your... Uh, Yo, Westmore Central yeah, Wolfpack. Yeah, the Wolfpack up in, <laughs> up in uh, Westmore's on a Friday night, and it was about minus three degrees. It was the coldest game of my life. But... Um, the strange thing is, is that, you know, come Monday, we're back out there practicing. You know, there was no downtime. Right. There was right, no right. two-week, three-week, four-week, five-week protocol right. and return to play and all that stuff. And but put, would you have told someone anyway? If, if I, I had no choice. I was out of it. Right. Oh, so did uh, someone, like, check you out, like, when you got these concussions? No, I was – I. Yeah, we had a we had a trainer on the sideline of some sort at the time, but I was, you know, I knew I had a concussion. I mean, I I didn't know where I was, right. you know, type of deal. So we've come a long way from there, uh, fortunately. Yeah. All right. Um, did you see the concussion movie? I did. What did you think about it? Well, I read the book uh, a couple years ago, and uh, the you know it's real. I mean, the concussion thing is real. I think. Uh, what they showed, I, I thought was depicted pretty well. I mean, it's, it's evident because of these suicides that you've had in the NFL that there's, there's an issue. Right. Now this CTE, uh, do people who don't even play football have CTE? You know, it, it's undetermined at this point in time because there's not enough dead people. If you right. want to yeah, call it to, who to are willing to analyze. give their brain up to science. Yeah, right. Like that. So, uh, you know, it, it's a real thing. I, I thought the movie was great. I thought that Dr. Amalu or... Amalu, yep. Amalu, <laughs> yeah, was, uh, was very good. He was, in my opinion, he was a genius. The NFL didn't want to hear it. Right. But, I mean, as, as it was evident and per- portrayed in the movie. But, um, you know, it, in addition to, you know, football being down 20%, we're going to see after this next year what the, what the numbers lead to. Because... Right. Uh, you know the parents. Some some parents said they weren't going to go. Some parents went. You know, so uh, it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good movie too. Yeah, I thought it was almost like too much anti NFL, anti football at some points. Um, but it did talk about the good parts about football and like what it can do for people who, you know, are in situations where you know football is the only way out, kind of thing. Right. And even if they don't make it to the NFL, they can get a scholarship that can lead to you know getting a better job or whatever. Like, so I think it was a good depiction of both sides of the the right. spectrum. I thought. I agree, and, and and you know what, people know what they're getting into when they sign up. Well, now they do. I don't know, I mean, like, uh, if before all this concussion education, you know, I know like in 2007 when I had my head injury, mm-hmm. that was like right when things were starting to kind of ramp up about concussions. Um, but I didn't really know too much. Like, 
when I had my initial concussion, because I only had a headache and I never was unconscious, I wasn't throwing up. I was. I remember. I remember. <laughs> remembered everything. Right. Um, I forgot how to talk, but um, I thought that I was fine. So, but now, like like you said, like seeing stars is like a sign of a concussion. And right. when I think back, I've that happened at least twenty times when oh, I was playing football. Or like I would, I would see like double vision sometimes too. Like I would make a tackle. Right. And then I'd get up and I'd see like two of everything, but it would go away after like ten seconds. Yeah. But that was a concussion. I I would I, like when I when it happened at the time I was like oh it's you know it's probably my helmet coming down onto my <laughs> eyes or something. Yeah. But. That was definitely a concussion. But, um, but you do it all over again. Oh, definitely. And I would too. And, yeah. and 99% of the people that are out there that played the game would do it again. Right. And when we talk about like CTE, you know, it's really sad that a lot of these guys have taken their own lives. You know, people blame CTE for it. Um, maybe that is the reason. Maybe it's not. But what's interesting to me is that, you know, how many thousands of people play football, right? Right, yeah, And absolutely. you only hear about these stories. Not that it doesn't make it any less hard for the families or stuff like that, but it's, it's hard for me to blame a sport on, you know, suicides when, it, yeah, I'm sure I have CTE, right. but, you know, it doesn't happen to everyone. Right. Like not everyone yeah. goes and off the deep end and goes and kills themselves. Yeah, and there's other issues that the – the people may have or right, yeah, you don't prior, know, or you'll you know, never they know. They could be bipolar. They could be. They could have a host of issues right. that people don't realize right. or, or know or, or what have you. But they do blame it on CTE and and you know, right. It and is I think what it, yeah. Today going forward, like people know that you know hitting your head thousands of times as a kid and as a young adult, like obviously yeah, it's probably not very good for you, right? Um, but if you have fun doing it, yeah, and you know. I mean, I don't. I don't regret doing it at all. So, no, absolutely, I agree with I you. I mean, I say that now, but do you, <laughs> do you, do you get nervous at all for like the future? No, not at all. I, no. you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think I'm healthy. Right. Um, like, you know, try to lead a healthy lifestyle, and uh, I don't think in the long run it's it's uh, you know going to be a detriment to me. Although I want to donate my brain to uh, science once I'm gone. Yeah, I want to do that too. Just to see what's going on. So, uh, you know, just to help the cause to see what's, you know, right. they, they need, they need dead people, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be one of those uh, volunteers to see what's going on, but I think I'm, I'm fine. All right. Um, so what's been some of the scariest moments that you've seen in terms of injuries as a player and as a coach? Well, as I as I mentioned, when I played my two concussions, I had no idea where I was type of deal. And I remember sitting on the bench at one point and, and uh, just sitting there like in the cloud and not knowing. And I kept saying, I remember saying vaguely to my friend at the, toward the end of when I was coming sort of back together after, you know, after two quarters of not knowing what was going on. And I'm sitting there and I kept saying, what's going on? Like, am I all right? Like, you know. You're, you're worried about it because it was the first time it ever had happened. Um, so in, in respect to that, um, they were two scary parts on my, on my behalf. The other one was it was a uh, – I played football um, during lunch uh, in, in middle school, and uh, uh, I broke my femur. I shattered it in half. So um, – that was a you know that wasn't on the field, but it was still playing the pickup sport, game, kinda, still yeah. playing the game that that we learned to love and and so on and so forth. So um, I had never been in a hospital before this, and you know I was deathly afraid of hospitals. And all of a sudden, I, I you know I, I break my uh, femur <laughs> in half, and and I got to go to the hospital, and I'm in traction, and they operate, and I got pins in my legs, and I'm a mess. Right. Um, so that. Do you remember what the recovery was like for that? Like, were you upset that you were out of the sport or that you... Well, it's ironic because uh, I had this doctor. He, he reminded me of Vince Lombardi. He was a, a Italian rough guy, but, you know, um, and uh, it was December 3rd that I broke my leg, uh, 1977, and, and uh, it was uh, a couple weeks before Christmas, and they said, well, you have, you have a choice. Uh, you can stay in traction for f four months in the hospital. And I'm like, I'm in eighth grade. I'm like, I'm going to miss Christmas. Or we can operate 
uh, when the swelling goes down in a couple weeks and you'll be home before Christmas. So I said, well, I'll operate and I want to be home for Christmas. Uh, so they, they had me in traction for two weeks and then, uh, they, uh, installed, uh, five pins in my leg and a cast from my hip down to my knee. And it was the next day he comes in this gruff Vince Lombardi type of guy and he goes, get out of bed. Come on, we're walking. I'm like, Christ, I can't even move my leg and you want me to get out of bed? And right. So, uh, basically I was, in, I was in a cast for four months and they said that I'm going to have, uh, difficulty walking I'll never play you know sports again type of deal and uh so do you remember what you were thinking at that time because you were old enough to kind of yeah remember and internalize all this stuff yeah and uh that's right and and I said I'm not going to be able to play football the hell with that I'm going to play football so long story short I got the cast off the beginning of April and I I conditioned myself and worked out and and you know, there wasn't therapist at the time, physical therapist, or we didn't have the money to do it or, or whatever. But um, I had to do exercise on my own to build the muscle strength and everything. And I was back on the field in August playing football. So there you go. You uh, showed him. Yeah. So it, it was a good story. I have no side effects. And but it was a long, arduous, you know, return process for me and uh, physically challenging. You know, to yeah. get get back on the field, and and I haven't had any problems ever. So all right, awesome. Good. Uh, is there any things that you've seen as a coach, or even on the other side of the ball, where it wasn't you getting injured? That um, basically, I'm trying to see like if there's anything that you've seen that helped you um, when you were making the Wildcats program, like that had an impact on how you created the program. Uh, basically, you know, the safety aspect of it. That was one of my biggest priorities was to try to make the game safer. And how do you make the game safer? You teach good, good technique. That's, that's the goal. I mean, I think practice is the most important aspect of any sport, right? You got to learn the game. I mean, uh, and, and, you know, the concussion thing, I know the U.S. heads up football we talked about, you know, keeping the head out of the game and this and that. But really, you try to preach safety. And what we do, we reduce the... Uh, we reduced the amount of uh, live contact during the week um, because of the concussion thing. Uh, but concussions is on the forefront, in my opinion, because that's the majority of the, the injuries that we have or dings, if you want to call it. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I saw a couple uh, instances with, with youth players when they, I mean, some of these kids, they, they smack one another. It's physical. I mean, at the, even at the young age. Right. Um, so you just got to monitor it and, and be more cognizant uh, as to uh, what's going on out there and what the kids are feeling and, and things like that. But the, uh, the safety issue is, is on the forefront of the Wildcat program. Yeah, I, I could I could tell. Um, where do you see the most room for improvement in the sport of football? Is it rule changes, technique, equipment? Um, where do you like? Where do you see football in in twenty years? And is there anything that you know the NFL can do um, that can make the game safer without actually like changing the game totally? Yeah, the the biggest thing is is uh, I think that they should get rid of kickoffs. Okay. Um, you know when I'm going to talk about the NFL. You know, you got 300-pound guys running 40 yards, 50 yards, right, at somebody. Yeah, full speed. Full speed. At least they got rid of the wedge. I remember being in the wedge. It was, like, the scariest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> I was just going to mention that. We had a kid when I played high school football, and he was the kicker. Uh, and he uh, he was the wedge breaker also. And he'd run down there, and that's when we had the wedge. Like you said, there's, like, five guys lined up. And yeah, all linking arms. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know – I'm sad to say he's no longer with us today, but uh, but th that's an issue. Um, we don't have it at our in our league. You don't have a kickoff. We don't have a kickoff. So I thought that was interesting. And I when I first joined the league, I'm like it sort of takes away from football and you know that we're used to playing. Right. But at the end of the day, I said, you know what, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. To take that. Well, Eric Legrand. That was yeah, on absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So. And it didn't even look like a big physical hit that Eric took, but, but right. it's not, you know, the impact all the time. It's, 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 it's the way 
that you uh, take the hit. Right. Um, so, so I thought that was a great idea. I, I think the NFL may go to that eventually. Right. I think they probably. I mean, it's close should. enough. Basically, is already like that now. You know? Right. Right. You're kicking out of the end zone right. what, 80% Every, of the time much, or, yeah. or what have you. Um, as far as the equipment and stuff, the technology is, um, you know, getting better with the helmets and, and things of that nature. Um, but the only way they're ever going to take the head out of the game is if they remove the face mask. You think? I think so. But I don't know that they'd ever do it. I mean, look at, look at rugby. Right. Right. From what I understand, there's, there's very little concussions with rugby because they don't take they don't have their head involved. I in think this. there still is a concussion issue in the sport. Yeah, but you're right. Like you, you're you're not as confident in yourself. Like with sticking your nose in there to to make a tackle. Right. So in that sense, you're more prone. And, and I know that there's studies too um, with football teams of teams. They have like a group of kids who practice without a helmet. Yeah. Like, did like pra- like tackling practice without a helmet? Now, obviously not like full contact, but like just wrapping up and like because uh, you're not going to stick your head in there. Right. And I think I don't know what the results were, but the idea behind it was that if you practice without a helmet, then when in the games you're going to like play like you don't have a helmet on, and therefore not like lead with your head and all sorts of uh, and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. As far as the uh, the uh, future of the game goes, um, you know I could see at the youth level. Uh, you know, leagues going to flag football, quite honestly. Um, you know, some people say, well, you know, my kid's not that mature and, you know, uh, physically, uh, maturationally and, and all that stuff. Um, and, and, you know, people seem to think that they can pick up football in high school. Yeah, you can pick up football in high school. Um, but the kid who played all along has a significant advantage, I believe. Yeah, I agree. But uh, you know, down in Florida and and uh, other states, uh, flag football has become a, a big sport. Okay. So, uh, will we get there? I don't know. I hope we don't. But right. You know. So you you want to see tackle football at in the youth level, obviously, because you continue start the program. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Someone asked me that question yesterday, or my buddy asked me that question yesterday in the interview. Um, talking about like youth only playing flag football and stuff like that. And I think you're right. Like when I think about playing in high school and the kids who were the better kids on the team, it's the kids who played for, you know, seven, eight years before that. Yeah. Um, going into it. I think part of that is just like not being afraid to hit people. Right. Because when you first start off, like you went your whole life being told not to hit people. Right. And now all of a sudden you can. Absolutely. Um, so you get your your ass kicked <laughs> a lot, but yeah, you kind of tee off on those kids when you're uh, <laughs> when you first start practice. Yeah, your sophomore year when you're a blocking dummy, right? Yeah, right. That's a tough year, but um, so yeah, I mean, I see the idea behind the flag football, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't know. It's it's a it's a tough thing. I guess it's really like up to the parent. Yeah. I guess if they right. want to uh, do that, we'll see. Um, so what's it like having a, a kid in the program that you created and coaching a kid? Or, or And then now, now that your son's in high school, is there a difference? Like, do the parents look at you, treat you differently now as opposed to when you had a kid in the program? Or how's that dynamic? Yeah, the uh, when I had my son, uh, when I started the program, he was in third grade. So I didn't give uh, the third graders the option to play tackle at the time. So K through three was was flag, and then four through eighth was was uh, tackle. Um, the interesting thing about it is I could have coached him, and you know, all along because I basically placed the coaches at the levels, and I could do pretty much whatever I want as far as coaching goes. But I only coached him uh, one year, and you know, and I call I was basically the offensive coordinator too, so. It, you know, you're trying to develop a game plan and you're calling the plays and, and your son's out there and you're sort of watching him. At, you know, you got a vested interest in it, right. if you want to call it. Uh, so it's, it's difficult from a coaching perspective to coach your own kid because you're not, as much as you think you're giving 100% to, to the game, you're, you're not because you're, you're, your eyes on your son and what have you. So I didn't coach him for five years, roughly. Um, and I let other people in the organization coach them. And that was my philosophy when I started the program. I, I didn't want any coach 
to coach their kid at any level. Right. Um, and I drew up this this thing, um, an example of of how I can massage the coaches and, and put them at different levels, and and they would only give eight hours uh, more to the program uh, during the season. By, and they wouldn't be coaching their kids, but they can be on in the stands watching their kids. Right. Nobody in the organization but myself and one other guy said yes out of 30 coaches. Wow. So, you know, it was it was tough, and I, I obviously you can't do it, right? right. But <clears throat> so getting back to the, uh, you know, coaching your son or not coaching your son, when I didn't coach him, it was enjoyable. And uh, just because now you got 100% vested in and in, you don't have to in, worry about like what itself. the parents are thinking and stuff like that yeah yeah and i wanted to get away from that daddy ball thing right you know and and you see it all the time with, it was definitely like that when i grew up <clears throat> yeah yeah and you know what i i sort of get it but i don't get it like yeah if you're vesting all your time and energies in a coaching why you know mr smith is sitting in the bleachers reading his paper and not volunteering to work the concession right. stand or whatever but it, it, you know, in certain instances, it doesn't make sense where the kid is positioned on the field, you know, which is aggravating to me as a coach. But um, so at, at the end of the day, it's a lot easier not coaching your child. Right. You know, it's, it's good for the organization. It, uh, it's, it's good with the parents because the parents uh, now I don't even have a son in the program and I'm still running it. And and, uh, you know, the 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 parents really can't say anything about right. you know any play yeah, time your or decision, right? Yeah, 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 because it's all about the program. Every decision I make, even when my son was there, is how do I make the program better? Right, it had nothing to do with my son. So, all right. Um, what do you love most about football? Well, as a kid, uh, you know, I've been out of high school for thirty-five years. Uh, it's the relationships that you build, right? Um, the kids that I talk to today or the guys that I hang out with or whatever when I go out are, are ex-football guys that we hung out with, right? Right. And you played. And, and until you play the game, other people don't understand it. Right. It's the camaraderie. It's the, you know, you have people in your wedding. You have, you know, uh, some of them are your, uh, your, still your best friends and, and uh, godparents are your kids and it's it's definitely the relationships that you build was the best thing uh, from any sport well, how do you think that football can establish those bonds or friendships better than other sports did you play other sports growing up i did i played baseball you know as a youth i played basketball up through middle school right so what makes football different <clears throat> it's i think it's the you know when you're out there and there's 11 guys you know, fight in every play. Right. It's it's it, there's a unique camaraderie that you develop for some reason. I don't know. I can't like the physicality and like the the suffering, like embracing yeah. the <laughs> the triple the, sessions. Exactly <laughs> right. We had, we had triple sessions. That was we were, my answer the other yesterday yeah. when I was talking to my my friend from high school. Like it, it was, I was tr having a hard time trying to explain. Like I just love football. Like yeah. I, it's hard to explain, but. I do think that it's because like it's such it's such a hard thing and it's such a big commitment yeah. that the guys that you're with, yeah, exactly, like the camaraderie and everything like that. Like even though we didn't really win too many games, like it was still some of the best memories of my life. Just like you remember like funny things that happened and right, like, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And there's things like that you never forget. And uh, I would do it ten times over. Yeah, you know whether you know I had concussions, broken legs, whatever. It's just, uh, it's a great sport. It's, uh, you know, like I said, it's like baseball. You know, you have nine guys out in the field. They're sort of just, you but know. It's kind of like individual in a sense. Yeah, yeah. a lot of it is. Yeah. In football, you have to you have to have 11 guys doing their job each and every play. Right. And when you do, you're successful. Um, and you rely on one another uh, on each and every play. So it's the camaraderies and the relationships and, and uh, I mean, even even uh, with the Wildcats today on the other side of, you know, being out of the game and now being a parent and coaching, um, I, I really enjoy being around the kids. I, I, you know, most kids are very good kids, um, you know, w you know, whether whatever their backgrounds are, um, they're genuine, genuinely good, good, uh, good people. Um, 
I like to know the kids out in the community. Like I go uptown or I go to dinner or I'm, you know, out and about and, and you, you know, you, you get kids walking the streets and, hey, Coach Klinger, how you doing? And, you know, they yeah, come they up to you. you they, yeah. they, they, they talk to you. <clears throat> um, I've had on occasion, you know, I've gone to some speaking uh, engagements, if you want to call it, at different establishments throughout town where – you know, they wanted me to talk to some youths and this and that. And I've done that and shared my experiences. And, and just trying to help the kids better themselves is important to me because I want to give these kids an opportunity to whatever their demographics are, or their backgrounds and stuff like that. I want to be able to be a positive role model for them. And that's, that's important to me. And I, I think the community, you know, it's, it's a better place, right? you know, if, if we had a lot of people that were doing stuff like this. I mean, I, I, I'll never forget this one day, uh, a woman called me and she said, uh, you know, coach Klinger. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, uh, can you take so-and-so out to, uh, to dinner tonight? Because I have no money or food at home. So I said, absolutely. And that's the stuff that right. makes all this worth it. Exactly, yeah. And uh, I would do it 100 And had the over. football program not existed, you didn't have that relationship, that kid would have been hungry, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah absolutely. So Another reason why there's there's good that comes out of football yeah, absolutely. at the youth level, yep. Absolutely. So, I mean, like I said, and what a great kid and a good family, you know, and you feel sorry and you, you right. try to work with them. And, uh, but that was one of my best moments that I had personally. That's really cool, yeah. Yeah. I got chills. Yeah. Um, all right, we've, we've been talking for a while, just to, to close it out, um, what would you say to parents who think that football is too dangerous for their son or, or daughter in some instances? Uh, I would say no. Uh, it's, you know, ultimately I, I, I address the parents this way. I said, you know, kids riding a bicycle or going out to play. I mean, kids don't play like we played as kids with the technology, the iPhones, and all this other stuff going on. But ultimately, I think it's the kid's decision, and I try to tell the parents to give the kid the opportunity to uh, get out there and experience it himself. And once they get out there and experience it, whether they like it or not, let them make the decision. Um, and also, on the other side is, is, is you know, uh, from a parental standpoint, when you see your kid out in the field, you know, th most times the, the parents enjoy it also. Right. You know, so I hate this to, to have parents say, no, I'm not letting my kid play football. And, and I've had that and I get it. And it's real world stuff. But I always try to encourage them to give the kid the opportunity. And, uh, you know, I go through what we're doing to make the game safe and try to encourage them to, to give them an opportunity. And, uh, you know, I, like I said before, when in doubt, we sit them out. So if there's issues, we, we work with the kids. But I had a kid last year who came up to me, and he always led with his head. Now, this was an eighth grader, so he's, he was playing for quite some time. And I, I said to him, I, you know, all the coaches said, you're going to get hurt. Like, we were, we were scared for him. So one day I get to practice, and he's, uh, he's not in his uniform. This is – we only had a couple of weeks left in the season. And he walks up to me. He goes, Coach, I'm not going to practice today. And I said, why? What's wrong? I thought he was sick. And he said, uh, you know, you guys have been talking about my head in the game and this and that, and, and uh, I'm, really, I'm really nervous that I'm really going to get seriously injured. So he had the wherewithal to – Wow, that's, like, that's to, pretty crazy for a kid like that to – Yeah. But he, he was leading with his head all the time, all right. the time. I mean, he got so low, he was almost on his knees every time he hit. That's how low he was. And uh, I said, all right. Um, I said, you know, are you done for the season type deal? Because, like I said, there were only two weeks. And he says, no, I'm just going to take a couple days off. And I said, all right, that's good. I said, when you feel more comfortable coming back, you know, we'll still work with you. And we worked right. with him all year from practice one. To you didn't call the kid a pussy either. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, uh, at the end of the day, he, he ended up coming back to practice the following practice. So it was just maybe that one day that he had some reservations about, right. you know, really getting injured. But at least he, th he was thinking about it. Right. He was that's, cogn that's cognizant crazy, about yeah. it, that, that, you know, it was on his mind. Um, so, 
um, at the end of the day, it's like I said, it's up to the parent. Right. Um, but hopefully they discuss it with their child and come up with a decision that, that, you know, meets both their needs. I mean, to me hearing that story, that's like the ultimate in terms of creating a culture of safety in your program. When a, when a kid, um, you know, comes up and says that to you and takes himself out of practice when he's not hurt or injured, right. but because he, you know, you guys keep telling him that he's going to get hurt and he's kind of scared about it. Um, to me, that's, the way I think that, you know, youth football and all football needs to go to in order to make the game safer Mm -hmm. because, you know, only the athlete knows like how they feel on the inside. And, you know, when you're trying to please the coach and make the coach think that you're tough, like you're going to do things that put your health in in harm's way. At risk, yeah. So I think that that story is like perfect. And I think that you're – uh, more sound Wildcats football program is like an ideal situation for a, a kid to play football in terms of just knowing that you're in the safest place possible to play a great sport that is really getting a bad rap um, in the country and I guess around the world um, because of concussions and uh, I thank you for taking time out of your Saturday to sit down with me and um, to tell me about your football program and your days of playing football and your thoughts on health and safety and I'd love to have you on again sometime. That'd be absolutely. That'd be cool. I appreciate it. It was it was a great morning. Awesome. Thanks, Thank Brian. You. All right. Hey guys, Kevin Sam here. Every week on the podcast, I hope that the stories we share and the guests that come on inspire both athletes and non-athletes to overcome whatever obstacle falls in their path and also starts a conversation about making sports safer to play so everyone can experience the benefits that Brian and I spoke about in this episode. Like I've said, if I could do it all over again, I would. I would have just told someone that my head was hurting me. You can sit out for a week or you can sit out for the rest of your life like I did. I want athletes to avoid making the same mistake that I did, not to avoid playing sports altogether. I hope this episode helps to set precedence in how a youth football program should be run and how you can make the game safer and more enjoyable for players, parents, and coaches alike. After you share this episode with your friends, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and leave us a five-star review along with a positive comment. Also, please give us a follow on Instagram at Heads and Tails. That's heads as in multiple heads, the letter N, and then tails spelled T-A-L-E-S. Give us a follow on Twitter at Heads and Tails with the little P-O-D on the end. And also like us on Facebook to stay up to date on all Heads and Tails news. And remember, you can't control what happens to you in life, but you can always control how you respond. See you next week.